Hello, Canada, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Common Sense. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony. Well, hello, Canada. Today's date is July 22nd, 2020. Welcome to another episode of Canadian Common Sense. It's Tony out here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC, and summer has finally arrived. Well, I'm glad that it has, because I'm starting to feel like the the weather out here is starting to become like the Okanagan. It rains one day, then it was nice the next, but we've had a couple of beautiful days in a row out here so uh nice and warm finally so it's it's here you're right well, well we've finally we've had a a solid week of temperatures hovering around 30 to low 30s and uh today was well yesterday was 33 today was 34 so it's it's beautiful fantastic and good thing it's hot outside because it's awful hot inside i have said this before canada but today, I really mean it. Buckle up, because this show is going to be a, uh, a, a good old-fashioned barn burner. So, on the show tonight, uh, we'll follow up Lewis's rant about the capital gains tax on primary residences. Yves Blanchet, Blanchet, we just keeps getting better. And no, my English is not wrong on this one. And is Canada's boss a horrible boss? Well, why don't we start off with capital gains? Now, Lewis, you had uh, done a rant on the weekend to talk about the Trudeau government's latest way to tax us out of a recession. Yeah, I mean, the CMHC has been directed to give the UBC School of Population, a, a, a grant of $250,000 to study uh, the implications of a capital gains tax on primary residences when you sell them and also uh, possibly a annual tax uh, on your prop- for the federal government on your uh, primary residence, which... We already pay an annual tax, and that's called property taxes, to the cities. And it's looking like they're they're examining whether to even put one in for the federal government. See, that's fantastic. And the government's actually quote here, which I got from a Toronto Sun article, is the objective of this is to identify solutions that could level the playing field between renters and owners. And I said, Yeah, I did. I, I did. What? I, I didn't know that the playing field was supposed to be level between the homeowner and someone renting it. Like one person owns it and the other doesn't. Well, exactly. The other is paying, yeah. The other's paying for the privilege of using that house as their temporary home. Like this is, I'm sorry. I'm, this is bullshit. Yeah, and I'm not sorry, because this is bullshit, and yes, I'm sorry, Canada, for using that kind of language, but a renter not. takes absolutely zero risk. A renter simply pays the damage deposit and ideally pays their rent every month. It is the person who owns that home 
that takes all the risk of buying the place, finding someone to rent it, having to maintain that place, hoping they have a good renter who doesn't trash the place. And now the government says, oh, well, no, we need to make the playing field level. Um, I don't think so. No, we. I have a friend who had to evict their uh, tenants and it took them three months to get those people out of their home. And they ended up spending nearly $45,000 repairing all the damage to the house. Ridiculous. But yet they're the tax cheats because they happen to own a house. And I mean, rental property, I'm, I'm, I understand that that's considered a secondary residence or a revenue property. Yeah. So I get that. And, I, I, and I'm actually okay with, with uh, you know, that income property being taxable because it's not the property tax or the property value that's being taxed. It's the money you make on it. But for right. someone like myself or yourself that lives in your primary residence and we decide to sell because like in the case of my family, our kids are getting to the age they'll be starting to move out soon. So my wife and I will be able to downsize. And now the government wants to take a cut of the money we make on our house. Like screw you. This is money we've already put into it that we're just getting back. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. They don't take into account inflation. Like True. if I bought, if I bought a house 15 years ago, and I sell it today and I bought it for let's let's use some easy numbers to understand, say a hundred thousand dollars fifteen years ago, and today I'm selling it for a hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you will have big capital gains on that fifty thousand dollars, even though a hundred thousand dollars fifteen years ago is the equivalent of a hundred and fifty thousand dollars today. And all the money you've put into upkeep and maintaining that house over the years. You actually come out underwater on that house, but not, but, but, but they don't look at it that way. They look at it as $100,000, $150,000 done. Capital gains on 50 grand. Yeah, exactly. And it's a, it's a total tax grab. And, I think for the government, well, I mean, I was mad enough when uh, they called small business owners tax cheats, and, but now to suggest that we're, we're trying to avoid taxes by being a homeowner, um, I got two words for that, and it's not happy birthday. Let's put it that way. Yeah, well, and the, the UBC School of Population is one of these hardcore left-wing uh, groups. I mean, they, they have, the people who run that school have made comments such as homeownership is like winning the lottery. What? And I'm like, oh, really? Because I wasn't given that home for free. I had to bust my backside for decades to pay for it. So... You know, and, and all the upkeep and all the maintenance and the repairs and the landscaping and yada, 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 yada. Like, homeownership is not like winning the lottery. And another another thing, that another uh, quote from that school is, um, and I'm not going to get it 
perfect, but it's going to be pretty close. And that is, uh, they said that uh, using or using relying on your home to be financially so that you're financially secure in in retirement, they should be trying everything they can to discourage that. Oh my gosh! Really? Because. I think you should be encouraging people to take to to do anything possible to be sec- financially secure in retirement. No kidding. Including they, having your home paid off. Yeah, I mean, what they think the government's going to look after everybody? Good luck with that. Well, that's what they want. Oh, I'm sure, of course it's what they want. And uh I'll actually segue that a little bit into uh into actually your province of British Columbia. Um your government recently decided that it's time for landlords to collect on some of the back rent that they've been for landlords that have forgiven rent, I should say, during the pandemic times. But then the BC government decided to throw a twist into that and say that tenants actually will have now until July of 2021 to pay back that back rent so long as they keep their rent current going forward. And I thought, okay, um, do people that own these properties have no rights at all? No, we, we like, cause I own a rental unit and, and, uh, homeowners, like landlords in the province of BC have very little rights. Um, still more than, than, you know, things like that would make you believe, but, but it's really, really difficult to evict somebody. Uh, you also are not any more like this is something we're not allowed to do anymore. We're not allowed to evict a tenant in order to renovate the home. You have to work around the tenant to renovate the home. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you're not allowed to, uh, if, if you evict somebody so that a family member can live in that rental unit, which you're allowed to do. If the, if that uh, former tenant finds out that your family member only lived there for a month or two months or, or even three months before they moved out, they can sue you and they will win. Oh, my God. There is the in B.C., we're not allowed to raise rent by more than what the government says we're allowed to. And it's usually around two to two and a half percent. Even though the, even though our property taxes go up by more than that. Well, of course they do. And I mean, the average uh, property tax increase this, this for those coming year when of course that'll get blown out of the water now because of pandemic relief, but the projections for this year, I think the average property tax increase in Canada big cities was was over four percent so it's ridiculous yeah. see and I, and I realize that um, NDPers socialists this comment is not for you people got to understand that there's something called the free marketplace and people who own these properties actually have to be able to make money if they're going to invest that money back into them for maintenance and for when that washing machine goes and it has to be replaced like money does not come from trees 
I know Mr. Trudeau doesn't understand that, but it's true. Yeah, and and not only that, but landlords are a good thing. Because they are. Without, without landlords, there are no rental units. And without, but then that's when the government gets involved and provides government housing or low-income housing or whatever. But uh, trust me, I've known people who lived in those units and you would, ra- you would rather live in a privately owned rental unit than a government owned rental unit. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was actually going to say the same thing. If you see the condition of some of these government housing units. Yep. Yeah. I, I appreciate that the NDP government here in BC wants to give a deadline uh, for paying back rent, but they made it, they made it a year. And so the, so a lot of people I'm predicting this right now because I, once again, I hope I'm proven wrong. I won't be, but I hope I'm proven wrong. <laughs> the, what's going to happen is a lot of these people are going to live the next 11 months in these suites and then give their notice that they're moving out. Yeah. And then what recourse does a landlord have? None. 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 Yeah, it's crazy. All right. Now I've got that little bit of steam out. I want to touch really briefly on Yves Francois Blanchet. Now, I was actually going to rant about this, but I don't think it's going to take us very long to go through it. Now, Yves Francois Blanchet is not a politician that I like, but I really have to swallow my pride and say I'm developing a lot more respect for him the more he opens his mouth. Now, it was Yves Francois Blanchet who was the only, or Bloc Québécois was the only federal party that did not take the uh, the uh, the wage subsidy program, and and he was, was quite happy to admit, admit as much, and even tried shaming the other federal parties in the House of Commons to stop taking the wage subsidy. So I was like, okay, I that's one plus for him. I still don't like him, but okay, and. Yep. And then, then Mr. Monsieur Blanchet decided when the when the whole we scandal began, and that's where we'll go next. He suggested that Mr. Trudeau should step aside and allow Krista Freeland to take control until the whole we investigation is finished. And suddenly, the very next day, mysteriously, a past sexual assault allegation was raised against Monsieur Blanchet. And here's what I respect about him. He actually said, well, it's not true. So if you have evidence, bring it on. And he refused to cave. He refused to, to, to duck and run like so many other politicians did. He actually said, bring it. Show me your evidence. And the lady who made the allegation is, well, she's, she's falling apart. She now can't remember if it happened in 1999 or maybe it was 2004 and was it something that he said or did he actually do something? And she has about as much credibility as the little bit of gravel I just kicked on, on the road when I walked into the house today. Yeah, actually this is the first I've heard of it. So um, I, I don't, I try not to pay attention to uh, Yves Francois Blanchet because he has absolutely no bearing on federal politics, except for the fact that he is the leader of a separatist party. 
he represents one province, so I don't even pay attention to the guy. So this is the first I've heard about it. Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, if if yeah, I mean, if he uh, if he really is innocent of it, then then yeah, that's. I mean, telling them to bring bring on the evidence, then yeah, <laughs> good for him. Well, yeah, um, exactly. Like I and think, it, and it doesn't and it doesn't sound like this woman has very much uh, credibility. I mean. If you can't remember if it was something that was said or something that was done, you can't remember if it was five years earlier than this other possibility. It's like, come on, like you've either done way too many drugs in your life and you can't remember, uh, you know, or or you uh, or you're just making stuff up. I mean, it's. Yeah. Well, and I'm going with the making stuff up part because I think, okay, in Canada, you've heard me say this name a lot of times, and I've said I won't let you forget it. Rose Knight, who was, quote, manhandled by Justin Trudeau, remembers very well that it was during the Cocaine Music Festival in 2001, remembers very well that it was in Creston, BC. So perhaps Mr. And Trudeau remember- should. Oh, yeah. go ahead. And remembers very well exactly what was said and done. Good point. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, perhaps Mr. Trudeau should be thinking twice about exactly what attack dogs he wants to send out on his opposition. Yeah. All right. So speaking of Mr. Trudeau, this um, this little organization called We, whom I'm actually starting to rethink my earlier comments that they are a good charity, is really getting Mr. Trudeau into hot water. So there's... Good God, you know, we, today alone there was more bombshells, but I'm going to go back a couple of days here. When it was, when I read from Brian Lilly that We Charity actually has a We real estate holding arm, and that real estate holding arm not only was the firm that was actually the, the recipient of this $900 million contract, they, act, they currently hold $43.7 million of downtown Toronto real estate. What? Yeah, and it's, it's not even uh, the fact that there's a we real estate arm. There's, there's several different arms to the we charity group, and only one of them is a charity. Yeah, because there's like a, a, was it me to we? Is that their, their for-profit arm or one of them? Me to we is the pro is the program for schools. Oh, okay. Where they have that that's we day and uh, where they send students to it. That's what my daughter was part of. I believe your daughter did it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and like you, uh, I I am retracting my comments that this is a good charity from last week. Um, it's the revelations that are coming out on an hourly basis almost are uh, quite shocking uh, to be quite honest. And the latest, the, what the, the, the information we found out today is that not only does Bill Morneau's daughter work for we, but we paid $41,000 for a family vacation for the Morneau's. Isn't that interesting? And of course, he just forgot about it. it. Must have been some kind of rounding error. Oh, I didn't realize I didn't pay them back for that trip. Excuse yeah. me. Um, and Pierre Polyev. Yes, I have a man crush on Pierre Polyev, and this is why. He 
questioned him today and said, the average Canadian in Red Deer or Halifax would notice if there was a $400 discrepancy for a hotel room they forgot to pay for. But you somehow forgot about $41,366. Give me a break. Yeah. And, and this isn't the only bombshell that, that was dropped on us in the last 48 hours. I mean, there, there's others. I mean, it's, it's, it's really kind of crazy. Well, it, it is. It's ridiculous. And now that um, the Kielbergers are actually going to be testifying in front of the, I believe it's the Finance Committee. Now, I should actually back up and say that it's actually three different committees that are going to be, are, that are now investigating this. It is the Operations Committee, the Finance Committee, and the Ethics Committee. All three of those are now uh, investigating this whole wee scandal. And Bill Morneau, what a surprise, just today decided he better pay that $41,000 because he testifies tomorrow. Yeah. And here's another bombshell. The WE Foundation has funneled millions of dollars into a private uh, fund for the Kielberger brothers. How about that? This charity is sounding less and less and less like a charity and more like a, uh, a racket to make millions of dollars for the Kielbergers. Yeah, well, and there obviously is a, a deeper connection between the Prime Minister and the Kielbergers than we initially knew. April 19th was when the, this, this uh, volunteer program was first announced by the government. And then magically the WE Foundation was, was mentioned. And then April 22nd, when the government came out with their parameters, they wanted you know, whatever organization to follow, we just happened to have a proposition ready, which followed right along the same guidelines that the Trudeau government had laid out. How about that? Yeah, it's quite, it's quite insane and quite crazy. And quite frankly, I'm disappointed in Canadians because the latest polling numbers are showing just a 4% drop in support for the liberals. Like this is, it's insane. Like they should be tanking. I mean, this is this is going to be the biggest scandal since ad scam. Oh, totally is. Yep. I mean, the Canadians should be standing up and shouting in the streets. And yet again, Teflon Trudeau is just goddamn lucky that it's summertime and Canadians are too busy going out to the lake or hanging out at their cabins or staying home. Yeah, people should be screaming about this, like screaming. Now, I think, and here's here's my prediction, I think Trudeau is going to step down over this. Do you want and to be I wrong with this one? Do I want to be wrong? Yeah. I don't know. Um, and here, and, and I'll explain. If he steps down, Christia Freeland steps in. And people like Christia Freeland. Like, people don't dislike her. And uh, 
And that could spell trouble for the Conservatives, to be quite honest, in, a, in, a, in the next election. Because I think she would do a much better job than Trudeau. Um, I don't think that she would do a great job. I don't think she would do a job that I would approve of. But I think she would do a better job than Trudeau. I think she would keep her nose clean better than Trudeau. Um, but uh, but I just I want to I want Canada just needs to rid itself of Trudeau. And if that means that Christia Freeland is the leader and she wins the next election, Canada will still be better off. But I part of me doesn't want him to step down because then the uh, conservatives have a better shot at winning the next election. I'll agree with you on that. And would Christopher Freeland do a better job than Justin Trudeau? Well, yeah, I mean, I've got one of my cats sitting with me and he would do a better job than Justin Trudeau. And so yes to that. Um, I don't know if Christopher Freeland would be a good prime minister, but you're right. I mean, she would absolutely be better than the imbecile we've got in, in charge right now. But God, you know, I don't want you to be right because I want to see this POS go down in flames. There would be nothing I would want to see more than the damage done to Justin Trudeau's ego, watching him lose an election, which he deserved to do last fall, but didn't because Andrew Shear not only dropped the ball, but kicked it so far down the field, he couldn't even pick it up again. Yeah. And honestly, and speaking of Andrew Shear, where the hell was this guy during the election? Tell because me about it. The Andrew Shear that we're seeing right now would have won that election. He totally would have. Yeah, he's actually got he, he, he's got a backbone now. He actually has the fire that he should have had last year. This is the Andrew Shear that I used to talk about that was such a bear in the House of Commons. And then as soon as the election came along, he decided that everybody should like him. So he better just try and play nice and and keep his head down but if he had been this andrew shear that we've been seeing for the last two weeks oh my god we wouldn't have all this problem we're having now yeah like okay when a reporter asked him uh about him taking his mask off to make a phone call in the airport he looked at them and said on a day when we find out that the government is running $343 billion deficit, this is your question and your follow-up question? Come on. And which I was like, last year he wouldn't have answered it that way. No, he wouldn't have. Any, any, but he, I mean, he should have. And, yeah. like, and, then, and then in the House of Commons yesterday in uh, question period, he stood up. And just and started listing off everything that was wrong with this we scandal, and then said, "Mr. Speaker, I don't even have a question. I'm just disgusted." And sat down, and I was a like, mic drop. Oh yeah, totally. And it's really frustrating because this is the kind of stuff that could have made him prime minister. Yep, absolutely, and it should have. But he didn't bring this to the table last fall. He he brought, like, 
I don't know, Mr. Vanilla. You know? He did. Like, yeah, well, exactly. Like yeah, he didn't no, give anybody any reason to, to, to vote for him. He didn't give any reason. Like he didn't, he didn't make himself likable. He just made himself inoffensive. And, and that's not the way to go about it. I mean, what he's doing now makes him likable. Oh yeah. Cause people actually see something in him now and yeah, it's really sad, but in a way, I guess, uh, at least by having this whole we crap going on, we learn how you and I as taxpayers, well, I guess not, well, I suppose it kind of funneled through we paid, you know, Margaret Trudeau $250,000 and, or was it more, I think it might even been more than that, wasn't it? But regardless, she means she made out handsomely. Sasha Trudeau made out very well. And no, Sophie, while... Uh, no, Alexander. Alexander, right. Sasha's not around. No, that's Michelle is not around. Oh, sorry. Yeah. But, so, <laughs> but regardless. Too many, too many Trudeaus. Too many Trudeaus. <laughs> yes, well, that's true. Yes, one is too many. At, uh but I mean, the whole family is connected and it's, it's good that these connections have been exposed, but I am just so furious that we and Justin Trudeau or the Trudeau family are intertwined, interconnected. And I wouldn't have a problem if they were friends. I mean, that's, that's no, that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is the corruption that comes from them being friends and how they continue to pat each other on the back. It's no wonder that as soon as the heat started getting turned up, we immediately said, oh, no, we're, we're backing out of this. And, oh, we got to go back to our foundations and back to our roots. And there's no going to be no more we days. And we're going to go back to the whole save the children days. It's like... It is way too late for that, buddy. You are going down. You are going down with this, with this ship, whether you like it or not. So, yeah. uh, I mean, good and on them. More, they're going to, going to. Yeah, and the, more, and the more I think about this, man, the more I think that those wee days and everything ever all uh, a a ruse to not just make the Kielbergers millions of dollars, but to shore up support for the Liberal Party of Canada. Well, it's funny you'd say that last part, because that actually is, was uh, something I'd read on a thread. I uh, might have been a post-millennial uh, piece, which said exactly that, that, that we days were really sort of silent recruitment days for the Liberal Party of Canada. And I thought, well, my, my oldest daughter, who uh, went to a we day celebration and I think she was in grade eight or whatever, is one of those socialist voters. So maybe they got to her. Maybe. I mean, my my daughter, when she went, uh, had uh, Margaret Trudeau speaking at We Day. So, oh, oh, there you go. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is, uh, it's very, I, I mean, more and more stuff is coming out. I mean, today we had like two or three bombshells. Yesterday we had two bombshells. And it's all to do with the we, with we, and and the and the shady stuff they do. Oh yeah, I mean this. this the, I think we all knew right from the start. Okay, this is corrupt. This is not going to end well. But I, you know, as a 
person who, you know, been watching politics most of my life, I did not see any of this coming. Like I did not realize exactly how deep it runs. And it's just like you say, there was two bombshells today. There's probably more to come. And everyone, every new thing that comes out just gets me that much angrier. And that's not well, good to thing, do at nighttime. How do I go to sleep? Well, and you know, the thing that, one of the things that makes me really angry is that Bill Morneau thinks that paying back that $41,000 is going to make it all better. Oh, yeah. All good now. Yep. Thanks, Bill. Good job. Like, that's so that's so condescending. And I mean, to to think, oh, you know what? The Canadian public, they'll forgive me if I pay back this forty one thousand uh, dollars. Mike Duffy. <clears throat> oh. Oh, sorry, yeah. did I say Mike Duffy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like go to hell, Morno. Like I'm I'm sick and tired of your smug face. I'm sick and tired of Trudeau's smug face. It's time for you lot to go. I'm so sick of this. Canada is going down the tubes right now because of you two. Totally. And it's actually funny that this is today was the first time that I've heard people in Canada say it's time to drain the swamp. And that statement could not be more correct. I mean, I just can't believe how quickly this liberal government has got itself steeped in corruption so deep that Jean Chrétien has got to be jealous. This is, Ryan Mulroney's got to be looking at that thinking, wow, how, how come I couldn't do that? Like, no, this is nuts. Yeah. It's like I said to you before, that as much as I hated Jean Chrétien, and I did hate him, I... I long for the John Kitchen days right now. You know, it, it's sad. I was thinking the same thing. I'm actually looking back thinking that, you know, I, I kind of like John Kretchen now with what we've got. And what's Paul Martin up to these days? Because we could actually use him in, in finance. And that's not the way I should be thinking. No. And, and, you know, you said that you're hearing Canadians say it's time to drain the swamp. Well, you know, let's just hope people actually mean it because, uh, Trump didn't mean it. He said it, but he didn't do it. He hasn't and done it, yeah. No, he's in fact he's made the swamp bigger. And but but let's just hope that in Canada, like we actually mean it when we say we want to drain the swamp. I let's 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 mean it and actually and don't bitch and complain when they do it. Yeah, exactly. Now speaking of bitch and complain, we'll move on to our last story, and right. that is Canada's boss, Justin Trudeau's boss, our official head of state, Julie Payette. Now, nobody who listens to this show regularly will uh, ever accuse you nor I of being fans of Julie Payette, but you, all of our listeners will know that you know neither of us thinks she ever took her job seriously to begin with, and turns out that she is not a very nice boss at all. And what stuns me is that it was the CBC, actually, was what was who broke the story on some of the uh, atrocious treatment that uh, she dispenses on her staff? Allegedly, allegedly, yes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, good to throw in the allegedly thing, especially when she's our head of government, our head of uh, state. So, yeah. Um, so, so yeah. 
apparently she allegedly is quite the bully and has made a what one uh, staffer uh, called a congenial place to work has become hell. Yeah, and uh, one another staffer, may have been the same one, who had said that Ms. Payette would look at their work, throw it on the ground, and say, quote, this is shit. And the bullying was not just from Ms. Payette, but also from her chief secretary or her uh, her, her, uh, her chief assistant, Asunto Di Lorenzo, anyway. And four staffers have have left the office just during the pandemic period. And there apparently has been quite a big turnover in Julie Payette's staff because it sounds like when they would go into a huddle flying home from wherever, rather than the huddle being a rah-rah session about this went well, it was a session where any one of the staffers or sometimes all would be singled out for the horrible work that they did. Yeah, and these are people that... uh give a lot to their job. I mean, cause it, it's quite demanding. I mean, they have to go wherever she goes. They, you know, they've spent lots of time away from their families and all this. These they take their job seriously. And, um, not only have four staffers left, but at least I think I read two have gone on stress leave too. Like that- it's, I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is crazy, especially coming from someone who really didn't even want to, like, I mean, you and I have picked up on things over the years with her is that she didn't, it's like she didn't even want the job anyway. I mean, she just likes being the GG. She didn't, she didn't want to do the job. Like, when the Governor General Awards were being held at, at her home, she wasn't even there. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. And it's just, there's there was allegations that she would complain when they would go overseas that she was overworked and underfed and tired and all I could think it's A how could you be overworked when you don't do anything anyway B underfed well you bring a staff of of you know cooks with you so no I'm not going for that either and overtired suck it up you were in space lady like um, this should be kind of part of your routine yeah like uh, I am a. Weren't, weren't there allegations against her uh, by an ex or something like that back a number of years back? That is correct. Yep. Now that you bring that up, I had forgotten that. But yeah, that she, that she was actually abusive verbally and physically, allegedly, with this yeah. ex. Yeah, that's that, right. So, I mean, it seems to be a pattern. Yeah, well, and it sounded like from the CBC article I read was uh, that she would ask her staff questions about both about different planets or uh, outer space or questions that I'm thinking that she would just assume they would not know the answers to in order to belittle them and make herself seem to be much smarter than than any of the you know the peons that were working for her were. Wow. Yeah, and it's, I just thought like that doesn't foster a very positive working environment. Like I get it that she's the boss and they're the staff, but I mean, there's absolutely no reason that, uh, that gives her any rights whatsoever to talk down, 
pick on, berate publicly, you know, and uh, humiliate in front of their coworkers. Like there's just, if, you know, these allegations are true and I guess the more you read, the more it's, or the harder it is to deny them. But, you know, if these allegations are true, this woman's got to go. Yeah. And, but you, but you know, I'm a boss. I, I own my company and I would never talk to any, any of my employees like that. Well, no. And, uh, and, and if you did, I would, you know, not blame your employees for giving you the double barreled middle finger and walking away. Oh, you know? absolutely. Yeah. And like, I, and I get it that, at this level, I mean, a lot of these people, God, here I am feeling sorry for bureaucrats. What the hell kind of world are we in? Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, uh, I feel bad because a lot of these people who are part of the government bureaucracy tend to be there for life. I mean, they tend to, like you say, they, they put themselves into their careers and, you know, most of them intend on, you know, making a life out of it. And, if they're having such a hard time with a boss being that big a jerk that there's been allegedly, you know, for these four who've left just during the pandemic period, there was five who had left shortly after Ms. Payette became governor general. We've got two that are on stress leave right now. And there's reports of others who would come home from these trips and be crying in their car before leaving the parking lot. All I got to ask is what do we need to do and what more do we need to see to show this woman the door? Oh, I, I honestly don't know what the protocol is. Like, I don't, I, I mean, yeah, neither do she, I. Is, she is the head of state and she has a term. Yeah. And, and I, and I don't know if the government has the option to remove the governor general or if they just, if they have to wait for the term to end and decide not to renew it. Well, I mean, I think that would probably be the most expedient thing to do, but I wonder if there is an option to, like, write to the Queen and, you know, plead one's case. Not that Mr. Trudeau would ever do that, but I just, uh, yeah, I really don't know either. And if any of you out there know, do know the Protocol Canada, by all means, drop us an email, uh, cdncomsense at gmail.com. Because, yeah, I'm genuinely curious, because I, if... You know, if there was a way to to kick her out the door, I'd do it tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. But I wish there was a way to just kick Trudeau out the door too. Well, yeah, I mean, sadly there there is a way, but we really need cooperation from the Greater Toronto Area with their fifty four seats, and many of which went to the Liberal Party of Canada. But if you're correct, and I hope that you're not, you know, and if Mr. Trudeau does indeed step down over this, you know now third ethics investigation and we do have you know temporary prime minister krista freeland i am a little concerned that there might be some goodwill because she's new to the position and she deserves a chance and you know any of the other sort of forgiveness that she would get just from being the new kid on the block yeah so uh, i mean i i really hope that the rcmp investigate because the more we hear about this, the less this sounds like an ethics violation and mo- sounds more like a uh, criminal investigation. I agree with you on that. 
but I would have ask you one simple question. Who does the RCMP answer to? Technically, it's a uh, it's a uh, uh, oh, what do you call it? A uh, civilian oversight board, but also a uh, more likely the minister of safety. Yeah, and I mean, and of course, the head of the RCMP, direct, you know, appointed directly by the PMO and current commissioner Brenda Lucky just happens to be a cousin of is it Bill Morneau's wife or is it Bill Morneau? Yeah, I think it's Bill Morneau. Yeah, so uh, I'm not feeling very confident about the RCMP angle. A lot of nepotism going on. There really is, yeah, and uh, you want to think for a government that it's only been in power for five years, this is epic escalation in the in the corruption scale. I mean, I thought SNC-Lavalin was bad, and it was, but SNC-Lavalin looks like he just happened to, to forget to pay for a, a five-cent candy at the drugstore. Like, this S- is... SN- yeah, SNC-Lavalin was bad, but it's child's play in comparison to this. Totally is, yeah. And I... Uh, I'm actually to the point where I'm I'm almost getting numb. Like I'm I'm eagerly waiting for tomorrow because I know that more revelations will come out tomorrow, especially if I think Bill Morneau does testify tomorrow. So that will be uh, that will be great. And I I almost don't want to see Bill Morneau step down and fall on his sword for the good of the party. Screw it. Both you guys can burn in hell with your your, your liberal ship, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. But, and, uh, well, looks like we're at our time here, Canada, so that might just be uh, as good a place as any to end the show with telling Bill Morneau to burn in hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, hell. There we go. Yep. So uh, thank you for joining us, Canada, and uh, I don't want you to burn in hell, but your finance minister, he can. So uh, until next time, it's Tony here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in B.C. Good night, Canada. Good night.